Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Jared Brandon. Me, Todd Novak, and our very special guest. Tony Dudzik with Pick Guardian Custom Pick Guards. Let's be honest, you're not with Pick Guardian Pick Guards. You are Pick I am. <laughs> I am he. He is them. <laughs> um, so... We have uh, a, a guy. He's he's local, and he's um, he's uh, been doing a pretty specialized thing, uh, making custom pick guards. Not just custom pick guards. You're you're a, a micro pick guard factory for the world. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I, I do work for people all over the world. It's kind of interesting. It started off as kind of a experiment at the time of e-commerce, as it was called back then. Uh, so I've put a website together and I was kind of curious as to what kind of response I would get. And I was just kind of shocked Yeah, uh, almost immediately. And, you know, people were sending me money and pick guards and asking me to do the work. So who knew I had no idea. Wild. Um, the, uh, so you just actually did a fantastic pick guard for me, which I was, I'm beyond excited about um i bought a oh golly what year was it it's a 2000 something or other reissue gibson special double cutaway with mini trapezoid inlays in black i've been searching for that guitar for a long time they're pretty cool and i found one but in my search for that guitar ever since i've imagined that in my head has always had a gold dust pick guard on it <laughs> that i mean that's just that's the only way it could have been so i contacted tony and i said this is what i want he says i can do that <laughs> and i got it back and it was so much better than i expected that sounds kind of it sounds kind of weird saying that because you're like it's a pick guard right but the the attention to detail that he put into it was i mean it isn't like a just a a pickguard you get from the store mm-hmm. um pretty special stuff so we're going to get into his method how he got into all this um and all of the very interesting things that that he runs across uh first so hey we got a call from johnny balmer of alchemy audio out in chicago and uh he uh he gave me a, a holler and wanted me to see if he could drop in and, and share something with everybody out there so johnny take it away yes thanks todd um hey it's johnny from alchemy audio in chicago and uh, i believe on our podcast interview from a while back I had kind of teased that I was involved in this uh, upcoming project, and it is now uh, kind of come to fruition, so to speak. Um, So what I did is I partnered with uh, Kevin from Ion Electronics, and we're going to be producing a limited run of the Lab Series L5 preamp in a pedal. And uh, some of you may be familiar with the Lab Series uh, solid state amp from the 70s, designed by Moog, distributed by uh, a parent company of Gibson. Um, they kind of have a cult following. 
um, as being one of the most, uh, quote unquote, tube sounding of the solid state amps. And uh, this will be the preamp section of it, two channel preamp in a pedal form. Uh, it's a pretty involved build. Um, there's lots of knobs, lots of op amps, lots of uh, stuff going on under the hood. And um, this works fantastic as a preamp um, connected to a power amp. If you're going to go that route, you could also go into um, like an effects return on your amp. And you can also go direct into like a live or studio console. And I've actually had a few people use the prototype for tracking things like bass guitar and um, acoustic guitar in a studio and just going direct into the board. It's got plenty of output on tap, so um, you can use it in a variety of different ways. So would this be something like, um, I'm, we, we kind of touched on this on a, on a previous episode where um, we're starting to hear of more and more um, live situations where even guitar players are going straight into a board. Uh, is this yep. something that would facilitate that? Absolutely. Okay. And, um, I can see people using it in that context, um, because it does have so much versatility within the pedal. So you've got two channels. Um, the second channel has fully parametric EQ, um, compression if, if, uh, required on both channels that you can turn on and off. Mm -hmm. Um, I've found it to be a pretty good platform for stacking with other dirt pedals. So in a video demo, if you guys go to the website or to the, uh, the listing that is on reverb.com, um, you can see a great re uh, reverb YouTube video that they did for me, uh, demonstrating it. And we kind of put it through all the paces, but, uh, we did uh, a section where we stacked it with one of my modified boss SD ones, which a lot of people probably have laying around. And it, it's, it's amazing like how this thing sounds when stacked with other pedals. Um, and you know, and then you can switch between like a cleaner tone and a, a dirtier tone. Um, so what's, what would be, um, an advantage? So as somebody out there is listening to this right now and, and they're saying, okay, well, I mean, my amp is okay. Is, is this something where someone might say, um, this could be a good alternative for buying an entire new rig or what would be an optimum situation for yeah, somebody to use this? There, yeah. There's even, uh, a Facebook group devoted to owners of the lab series, um, amps and, for someone in that scenario where these things are heavy and for anyone who's getting tired of carrying it around from gig to gig, but really wants that kind of signature sound of the amp, this is a great alternative. You throw this in a gig bag and like I said, you can run it with a, a smaller power amp or just go direct into a board. So that, that would be one application, okay. but otherwise uh, this thing could in theory replace an existing amp or even just enhance an amp that you already have. Okay. Just okay. Because of the, you know, the different adjustability, it's got 12 different knobs on it altogether. Um, mm. and two channels. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, like I said, filtering and, and EQ that you can adjust on this. Okay, cool. So is there, it's, it sounds like, <laughs> Oh, My poor, dog uh, gave doggy. the vote of approval. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Um, is, does this have uh, 
would you say that there is a specific like color to this or is it or is really the the, the benefit of it being completely colorless? No, there's definitely kind of a specific color to it, um, especially on the second channel. And I think what defines it is just the range of adjustability you have. And there's there's even um, this Moog designed uh, multi filter knob that depending on how you have it adjusted, you can dial in like some fixed wah tones, mm-hmm. almost get these like kind of Peter Green type of uh uh, sounds if you're, if you're dialing it correctly. Um, so that's, that's one feature that makes it kind of unique that a lot of amps do not have. Cool. Yeah. Uh, about how, how big is this thing? Uh, what's the size of the box it's in? I want to say like, uh, you know, it's like probably a good, like double pedal sized enclosure. So it's not giant. It's not giant, but it's it's larger than say a typical boss pedal. Right, right. Um, so you're getting into like maybe like Strymon size. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. Okay. Um, can you get into? Uh, I'm pausing right there. Just I want to find out if you want to throw out a price or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Get into. Can you get into how much this is going to run anybody out there who might be interested? Yeah, uh, pre-order price is three fifty-nine, which may seem like a lot until you really, you know, see this pedal and see what it's capable of doing and seeing all the features and just the amount of parts and labor that go into it. And um, no expense was spared with any of the components, so we're using all you know top quality capacitors, resistors. Um, really tight tolerances, highest quality available. Same goes for the pots and the jacks, um, aluminum knobs on it. And there's 12 of those alone on the pedal. Wow. Um, and there's, there's a fair amount of time that goes into, uh, not only assembling, but then calibrating and testing the pedal. Um, so, you know, for each one, we're pretty meticulous in the build and it, it, it's going to take a good, you know, half a day of work or more. Um, then that uh, price includes free domestic shipping and all the associated packaging. Anyone who's ordered uh, pedals from me in the past knows that I always throw in some fun mystery Alchemy Audio goodies inside and case candy and whatnot. Um, and it also does include a power supply because it runs on nine volt AC, not DC. So similar, similar to the ones that, uh, the line six units take. Right. Okay. I was just thinking in my head, it probably at at glances a bit of like looking like some of the line six uh, units. Yes. Um, just from a a size and like, that's a lot of knobs and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, so is this, would you say, I feel like this could be something for somebody who is, has probably more of a hi-fi sound either in their group or by themselves, um, as opposed to like rat rockers. Well, yeah, possibly. I mean, I think anyone who might 
lean toward that would probably just be kind of a guitar into an amp guy. And that's totally fine. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, this might not be for them. Um, I think this is a good companion to maybe enhance your existing rig or possibly replace it in some scenarios. Mm -hmm. And then I can also see this being really beneficial to any studio owners because, uh, like I said, I did have, uh, some friends of mine, take the prototype and track some bass and acoustic guitar tracks and Mm. they, they loved it. So I think if you're looking for something that you can go direct into a board yet still maintain like an amp like quality to the sound, this would be a a fantastic option. It sounds like a, a, a killer option for a very, very affordable second rig. Um, anybody who's, who's gigged out, um, especially if you're traveling, you got your amp bouncing around in the back of a van or something. I mean, you know, things happen and, yep. uh, you know, if you don't, sometimes you don't always have, uh, the next band's amp to borrow, uh, especially if you're last up and they bail on you, <laughs> Right. <Yes. laughs> which, which happens. Uh, so yes. this could be, I mean, the idea of really, you know, amp in a box, there's, there's, a, there's quite a few sort of quote unquote amp in a box is out there. Um, but they are typically very, very limited in what they're able to do compared to what you are building right now. It sounds correct. Yeah. This was definitely a lot more versatile and, uh, just the fact that it has two channels that you can access. So you can dial in some pretty different distinct sounds and yet still have it in a smaller pedal form. Yeah. Uh, could also be, I know that we've got a few venues out here where, um, there are some pretty outstanding boards and really great sound guys behind them. And you, mm-hmm. you could, sounds like you could really take advantage of, of their equipment and how they're using it as opposed to just straight in on a mic, like on a normal amp too. Absolutely. Cool. Well, right on, man. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate you giving me a holler and saying, Hey, I got something new and you know, that door's open anytime. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for the time. Yeah. And uh, why don't you give, uh, uh, give everybody all the information real quick. Alchemy hyphen audio.com. There's uh, links in the store section to check out the product, a little bit more information about it to do the ordering, um, along with a link to a YouTube video that we shot with Reverb.com. Um, they can also find it directly on Reverb.com. If you just search for uh, Lab Series Preamp, it should come up. Um, it is a limited run of 50. Um, you'll see it's a pretty beautiful looking unit too, fully screen printed and uh that's being done by our friends over at disaster area designs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it and I'm looking forward to getting these in uh, people's hands. Awesome. And the unit one more time is called the lab series L five preamp. Um, and it's by ion electronics assembled by alchemy audio. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate it. Thanks man. Take, Take care. care. So anyways, uh, that was, uh, Johnny Balmer from Alchemy Audio. Uh, Johnny, thanks for giving us that information. And, uh, for anybody who's interested, you can contact Johnny at Alchemy Audio, and I'm sure he'd be very happy to hook you up with one of those awesome pedals that he's building now. It sounds like a pretty interesting unit. Yeah. It sounds like a real cool pedal. I got to look that up. The original... Yeah, yeah, I want it, it. It's intriguing. Yeah, cool. All right, so let's get on with it, shall we?
let's talk about for our missing knobs. We're missing a bunch of knobs today. And I'm, I'm just like, crap, it's a little quiet in here. Again, you know, I got Jared. Well, yeah. you know, always have me. Something. I'm always here. I know. But uh, yeah, so I think, you know, life happens and, and it doesn't, uh, all of the knobs that we've had on here uh, and still have on here are great dudes and we, uh, we're missing them today. That's, yes. I said, yep. Oh, yep. Sorry, man. I talk under my breath if you guys haven't noticed on this podcast. You run out of breath, too. I do. That's that's kind of like your MO. Sometimes I run out of thought. Of course, everybody. <laughs> you just kind of up the jukes right there towards the end. Um, yep. Yeah. So, all right. Let's go. Tony, you're our special guest today. Yes. What's going on in your music world? Well, let's see. This week I took big pieces of plastic and made them into small pieces of plastic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it's, it's really kind of interesting. Um, doing what I do, I kind of get a chance to see what's happening in terms of what's selling. Because, uh, you know, for instance, uh, this you know, past couple weeks I've, I've had a run on... Uh, Things like uh, the, the new Fender Offset series, the new Mustangs with the P90s, the uh, the new Duo Sonics. Right, and, and, they, it, and they got, there's a new like uh, an Offset Tele too, which yeah, uh, yeah, otherwise known as a Tele Master. They got Telemaster. in they got into it a little bit later yeah. than the rest of the world, but yeah. cool guitar nonetheless. But yeah, the whole Offset series has been, I'm assuming, a pretty good seller for them because I'm getting requests. For people that want to customize, that's awesome. Things. When you see so a new model, yeah, when you see a new model coming out, you're like, you know, money signs just appear in your eyes because everybody wants to customize that new because they have an, an idea rolling in their head. They're like, man, I'm going to call Tony. I'm going to get me a. <laughs> you got to breathe, dude. <laughs> I can't help it. I want to get me an awesome pick guard. I think he's excited about pick guards. <laughs> well, and that's just it. You know, it's it's what I do. I mean, it's not not for everyone. You know, some people want more traditional things. Some people want to go crazy out there. Um, but it's it, it's a lot like the the hot rod industry. Um, he, Jared likes the crazy stuff. Yeah, the really I know. The jet boat and the sparkles and bass boats. But that's yeah. good. Um, but it's a lot like the hot rod industry. You know, people. Oh, yeah want something a little bit different or they want to change pickups or they, you know, they, they just want to experiment a little. They want to feel like it's theirs. Right. Especially when you have something that is mass produced. I mean, the Telecaster is the, Telecaster is the, the, uh, the, I mean, pick your favorite hot rod. (laughs) It's the Model T, uh, hot rod where, you know, I'll take a 32 Ford. 32. (laughs) Yeah. Any, anything. (laughs) Um, I was thinking of like little buckets, you know, oh, the, yeah, little rat, rat, rat yeah. rods and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, but it is the, it is the quintessential hot rod guitar because you can customize every stinking part on it. And the, the idea that they've sold so many, you, you want yours to be yours, mm-hmm. you know? And I, the, the funny thing is the arguably the easiest thing to do and the most aesthetically differentiating is a pick guard. Oh yeah, I, th- I think it's, it certainly gives it an instant look. I mean, if you can change out pickups, yeah, and they may or may not look much different than what you've already got. They'll probably right. sound different, of course. Right. Uh, but yeah, visually, uh, there's there's lots of neat things that people are doing. Yeah, it's like rims and tires can change the whole uh, look of the car. Yeah, 
That's the way I look at it. Well, that's just like Todd's uh, uh, Les Paul uh, was special. special. Yeah. I mean, you know, it it was basically a black on black pick guard, but now the gold on your there. Your shirt, I need that shirt. Your shirt matches it. <laughs> Tony's wearing a uh, cowboy custom, uh, almost, you know, Grand Ole Opry style with dual um, uh Dual gold are, hollow bodies. Yeah, they're kind of like Birdlands or something. Yeah, yeah jazz like, boxes. I don't know. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, they play both kinds, country and western. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool, man. Well, we'll get into all kinds of your awesome pick guard stuff in just a couple minutes. So last week, you uh, reiterated how you, you know, this. you're not a big fan of the Stratocaster. I am not. I'm So... Yeah. It's been spinning in my head, man. I am gonna, I'm gonna take a Stratocaster, and it's what I'm gonna do. It's uh-huh. what I'm doing, and I'm gonna make it so versatile that you're going to like it. That's what I don't like about it. No, it's super mega. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> if you, if by versatile you mean you can take out at least one of the pickups and two of the knobs, and let's see what else. I mean, if you just start there, remove the tremolo. Then, <laughs> then we can talk. A okay. Bit. But see, the thing is, it's not. It's just not about the functionality. It's the first. It's the. It's the whole feel of the guitar. Like too many curves, belly cut, elbow cut, like forearm. I just. I it, I want to. It is my kryptonite. What, I he, here's here's what's new in my guitar world. Uh, this week, I bought an S one switch. And I saw on a forum on Facebook where some guy had this uh, ungodly spider webby bee's nest uh, um, wiring harness drawing. And I'm like, I've got to make that. You need an S1 switch and you need a super switch. Okay. For the listeners, including me, what are you talking about? I don't know, man. The S S S one switch, it's you know what I'm talking about, right, Tony? I know what you mean. Yeah, maybe you can explain a little better than I. Here, guys, it's there's a button in the center of the switch, yeah, and there's and you push the button. Well, it's not a switch. I'm sorry. It looks like a pot, and it's it's got a a computer chip board underneath. I don't know if it's a computer, but it's got something that like a green changes the uh, the switching and it's it's unbelievable. So. It is because I can't believe it. I don't. I'm having trouble imagining it. So I so can't believe it. it. I don't the, know how it works either. Is it the tone or the volume knob or whatever? It's a volume. But you press the center of it and it engages the S1 switch. Oh, yeah. Right, 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 right. So in some cases, uh, you know, Fender wires things a lot differently, model to model. But in some cases, it's to put all three pickups uh, at the same time. It uh, basically takes the place of a mini toggle or whatever. Okay. Uh, but it, and it, they also have a, a, a little more sophisticated system that alters the the switching and, and changes the, I think it goes to the super switch, which is a, another right. switch. And uh, you, you get different combinations of things. A super right. switch has four different yeah, that's super switch. terminals of five uh, tabs. Is that what the S stands for, super? Or spectacular. Sweet. Which one? <laughs> I'm all sorts of confused now. Or it could Stupendous. be silly. <laughs> it's going to be super. Fluous. It's going to be super, and you're going to like the way it sounds. You may not like the way it feels and looks, but 
you're going to take it home and you're going to mess with it. And you're, and so you took that's what you're going to do that I'm not a fan of and made it infinitely more complicated. Yes. To, I'm a brutalist when I'm playing. <laughs> I play heavy. I'm not great. It's a squire. It's I'm, good. It's cool. I, 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 I hack my way through the guitar. I don't care. Man. I, finesse is not my middle name. I think you're going to like this. All right, I'll try. Sometimes too many switches are a bad thing. Don't you think? Tony, come on, man. I'm, I'm trying to make him like Stratocasters. Well, I, I have to say, uh, I, I've owned... He's going to agree with me. Watch I've this. I've owned and <laughs> sold <laughs> probably 30 or 40 Stratocasters Why? in my years. I, I love them to start with. Thank They're you. like and wah then, pedals. You're like, yeah, no. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, the one that I held on to the longest was a Japanese uh, hardtail. Okay. And Early just, 80s? It was probably mid-80s, probably. Yeah. That have dual pipes on it, or? Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like a motorcycle. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it, let, let me make this abundantly clear. It is not that I don't like Stratocasters as far as uh, I don't like a Stratocaster for me. Mm-hmm. I appreciate what they do. I think that they are lovely to look at, most of them. Sounds like a disclaimer here. This is a big disclaimer. <laughs> but but I just want to make sure, I, because look, I don't like it when, it, it, I, I appreciate that people have their opinions, but I don't appreciate when people apply their opinions to me. Yeah. And so I just want to make it clear, I am 100% not doing that to <laughs> to anybody who actually really likes Stratocasters. Like, I, like, yeah. Yeah. I there, like Stratocasters. There's, there's a lot them. of people that and, do. There's and a couple. They've sold a couple. My whole goal is... <laughs> At least a dozen. My yeah. whole goal is here... If you like some, I'm behind it. I don't care if it's a if it's a orange BC Rich Wardlock or like... If you love it, awesome. I, I want you to say, I can't believe that's coming out of a Strat. That's all I... That's, that's what I'm trying to do here. It, well, that I can't be believe this coming sound is st- <laughs> coming out of the strat. This is so okay. cool. All right, no, yeah, I do. Like, yeah, uh, arguably some of the greatest rock music in history has come out of a strat. So it isn't about it isn't about the the guts of the strat. It's I don't know. It's just you know, it's some just people not, like to com- wear loafers. You're not comfortable with it. I don't, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, it just it is. I'm not. I pick it up and I just, I, it feels like a foreign object to me. That's the thing. That's how I have to describe this ah. moving forward. Okay. Yeah. Does it make you feel icky? <laughs> a little bit. It makes me feel it. Maybe it makes me feel a little bit ad, inadequate. Kind of like a Jaguar. Like I love, Jaguars are beautiful. I think they're gorgeous and they make some amazing tones. But I pick it up and I'm like, I, I, the, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, give me, a, I mean, a a, a, a a jazz master. I'm a little more. I'm more comfortable with. Yeah, but it's just it's it's too much. It's, it's a too much. <laughs> when I have a big giant jazz guitar, I think that's the way I feel too. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. I have yet to see you actually play a big giant anything. You have the tiniest. You everything you have is short scale, and it's tiny guitars. You like tiny guitars, which is hilarious. Yeah, he's because he's a huge guy. <laughs> yeah, 
He's like, I don't need a big guitar. <laughs> or is that undercompensating? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, all right. So you put in, you, you, you radio shacked a, a strat. Awesome. Okay. Yay. Let's see. Let's see. So me, um, I started working on a new pedal or I'm, I'm not, I started working on the graphics for a new pedal. So I'm going to build a new pedal. Um, I'm not mass producing pedals. I'm not a pedal builder, but I like making my own. And usually what I do is I like, I say, okay, I, I think I've identified this pedal, of course, after like 26 hours of research, because I love doing that. And I said, yes, that's the one I'm like, well, maybe I'll just build one. <laughs> uh, so I was doing that. Um, that was, and that's, that's a fun part of, of, because that, that it's, it's the same thing as what we're talking about, customizing a guitar. Mm-hmm. I, I love getting um, other people's pedals, but I really like the idea of building my own. I get to name it and I get to do those things too. So um, I like having a mix of those things. That was lovely. That was not much going on in your guitar world. Well, there's a lot. There is a lot more, but that was just the that was like that was the, the, the most recent thing. Nice. Yes. <clears throat> uh, okay, so Tony, let's do your four on the floor. Four on the floor. Hold on. One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. Okay, now. All right. In no particular order, I'm, and I'll, I'll make it abundantly clear. I am not typically a pedal guy. Um, I do like some, and over the years I've tried a lot of different ones, and some I've really liked and some not so much. But if I'm looking for you know my Desert Island uh, gig rack, pedal board, whatever you want to call it, um, there's, there's four that, that stood out, and I'm going to, uh, being first-time guest, going to request a uh, fifth oh, fifth gear overdrive. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, because it's four on the sure. floor. Yeah, okay. Well, we're going well, go. to so put it. give us five pedals? I'm going to, well, the, for, the fifth is. For the is, non-pedal guy, that's. Uh... The, the fifth is, is more of a utility piece. Okay. And I'll explain when I get down there. All right, we'll check with the judges and see if that, that's allowed once you get there. Where are they at? I see no judges. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, first off, um, the the piece that I that I really really like is is the full tone Supatrem. Um, I originally got my Supatrem because I had a couple of amps that did not have tremolo built into it, um, and I then uh, I started playing around a little bit with some of the amps that I did have tremolo with. And and what's kind of cool about the pedal it's it's a it's a very good sounding. I mean, it sounds very much like Fender tremolo, but um, when you mix that at a different rate than, say, something on an, on an amp that has tremolo, you can get that kind of uh, Johnny Marr Smith's How Soon Is Now kind mm-hmm. of stuttering going on. Right. So that that's kind of a cool thing. Not It's not something that you use all the time, but it's certainly kind of a cool effect. Sure. Um, the other piece that... You know, I've owned for the uh, forever. I guess is the uh, the Dunlop Rotovibe. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, that, in terms of kind of neat effects, you know, you can get anything from kind of a phasing to you know. The, I love a vibe pedal. Yeah, 
It's 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 just it's just really cool. Little tricky to use because it's got that little sidekick switch mm. um, to go from uh, rotary to uh, to vibrato, but um, but that's that's a cool one. Um, a must-have is uh, the Voodoo Lab uh, Sparkle Drive, mm-hmm. and for a live situation, I find that that's the just what I what I like uh, in terms of when you're kicking into a lead or something. It, you can get a nice boost out of it. And generally, I use it, for those that don't know what the sparkle drive is, it's got a, a dirty side and a clean side. And you can- Kind of like Jared. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's mostly dirty side, I think. Um, but you can you can mix them, you know, so you can have a, a, a truly, a boosted clean signal uh, when you want to take it up for a lead and that sort of thing. Um, so I've used one of those forever. Um, my fourth choice is, uh, I have a Vox, uh, Union Jack, uh, wah pedal. Oh, cool. And that was, it was a limited edition that came out years ago. My wife bought it for me cause I said, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the one time she a listened Union to Jack? the, the you know, British flag. Oh, okay. And so it's got Union Jack graphics on it. Hmm. It's a, it's a Vox wah pedal. Oh, okay. It'll, it'll do anything that it, any other one does. And then fifth gear. <laughs> the utility pedal okay. is uh, uh, something that I, I purchased uh, when I first started using two amps. And I needed essentially a buffer amp or unity gain amp uh, to feed both sides. And um, I yeah, still use them. splitting. You're not running stereo. That's No, you're not running stereo because right. you can do that with a pedal. Because that's just silly, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Unless you have a Strat (laughs) with an S1 switch. Yeah, (laughs) and two orange amps. But uh, it's a VHT valvulator. Oh, what? It is a, and it's kind of counterintuitive because most Unity Gain or buffer amps are op amp based. Mm -hmm. Um, This one actually uses a tube uh, in place of an op amp. it also has, you know, as a side benefit, it, it's got plugs that you can uh, plug in your pedals to. Right. It's a power supply. But I used it primarily for uh, just feeding two amplifiers. Right. Or if you need to feed a, a you know, go in direct into a board. Now, op amp is a, is a popular term that gets thrown around more associated with fuzz pedals. Mm-hmm. Uh, often, can you, for the listeners, would you like to elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. I mean, uh, I mean, what I consider an op amp is basically a, I mean, it can be a chip in, generally, in, in general terms. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it, think of it as a mini amplifier. Okay. Uh, it basically takes the signal. And in this case, it's a one-to-one. So, you know, one, one level going in comes out the same level, except in this case, it splits it into two separate things is the main is the main utility of this just to you know not lose power because you're going to two different sources yeah i mean it okay. it, it, it does two things it, it splits the um the signal mm-hmm. and keeps it unity gain right one, yeah. you know one to one normalizes yeah i guess yeah. you could say that it also changes the impedance from okay. a high impedance signal to a low impedance signal. oh okay so it it does it it does work a lot of magic, and if you're using a, a two amp setup, it's it's it works great. <gasps> so that's that was just my which my two bonus. amps are you using? Um, at this point in time, now when I first started using those, that was with uh, two Laney VC30s, uh, which were their attempt to knock off an AC30. Okay. Mm. Um, nowadays, um, I have a, uh, uh, a Doctor Z. Uh, Maserati, and um, wow. 
Italiano. Um, and, uh, and, mucho gusto. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I have a, a couple of different Voxes that I use, but, uh, my primary one is one of the, uh, AC 15 hand wires. Oh, cool. So those, those, that's, those are a little so 60, like a, a hand wire, like an old vintage one? No, no, no. It's it's the it's a newer series. Uh-huh. They actually released a series of AC15s, probably AC4s, and I know an AC30, and they're hand wired. It's so it's point to point wiring. Yep. Turret boards. Right. Um, it's boutique uh, level, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that a recent? I would say they've they've all come out within the last five or six years. Okay. Because I mean. It, Almost any AC you get now is like Chinese boards. Yeah. So yeah, this this is well. I think these are made in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, but they they're true. If you if you pull That's them cool. apart, they're okay. yeah. It's it's a it's a point to point wiring. Right. And they call them the hand wired series. Well, right on. If it's made well, it's made well. Uh, yeah. You know what kind of like I'm assuming that's a premium. Um, price on those is it is there yeah like i mean i i think they're at least 50 percent more than the standard ac 30s or ac 15s right. right uh but really nice i mean i i've i've owned in fact i before i bought this one i had a one of the ac 15 cc's the the whatever the, yeah, the c1 c1 AC, yeah. yeah yeah and that's what um, i just sold actually oh really yeah they're, those, I mean, they're not I a bad amp. It. I, it was a great amp, but I just needed other things. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, yeah, I mean, it happens. Like a new Gibson. Yes, with a gold pick guard. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, um, it, there's a noticeable difference. And it's, and it's the AC15C1 is, uh, or was, I guess, a little more typical. Um, they used a little different circuitry in the hand-wired one, mm-hmm. uh, so it's probably um, closer to what was, you know, would have yeah. been in the in the late '50s, early '60s. Cool, nice. Okay, well, um, that wraps up our four on the floor with the fifth gear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Thanks for sharing that, man. Nice. Uh, so, I think I want to just discuss a little bit about why we brought you on this show. I mean, there's a couple reasons. One, Jared was telling me, you got to get Tony the Pit Guardian on the show. <laughs> yeah, of course. You got to get him on the show. You got to get him really on the show. He's a great guy. He is. Um, I stand so behind that. I, I said, okay. And we, we, tried, uh, we tried to get you on the show a little bit ago and, you know, hey, things don't always work <laughs> out and that's okay. I think it's really interesting uh, what people do. And we focus here on small craft. Uh, you know, m- almost all of our guests are, are guys who are just usually start something out of a passion project and then just it, it goes crazy. Or maybe it doesn't go crazy, but it, it goes well enough for them to continue to do it. Mm. Uh, y- Yours was a very specific thing. You know, I think most people say, I'm going to do pedals or I'm going to do guitars. And there's a pretty wide range of stuff you can do there. Uh, so when I found out that there's a, a, a guy who just makes pick guards, I'm like, well, I got to find out what the story is here. <laughs> Visually, it's a bold thing to do. It is a bold thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so I also really love the fact whenever we can, um, I, to some degree, 
I'm starting to feel a little bit like the Huel Hauser of of <laughs> Ohio guitar. <laughs> like I and I'm not I, honestly, I'm not going out of my way to like find all the guitar people in Ohio. Um, it they just are happening. There's a lot it's, here. They're coming a, at me. There's a lot going on here uh, in Ohio. As yeah, far as I'm, I'm, guitars and, and and pedal makers and a yeah, lot. I mean, of it. The, and even in just in central Ohio. Yeah, it, yeah. it's a, it's amazing to me. But, I, I, I mean, kind of feel like it's almost like Nashville's like little cousin or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's you know it is interesting and and I, I'm I'm the same as you. I'm kind of amazed at times that you know if I'm looking at something and it says oh well we're up in Cleveland or yeah. wherever, and uh, I think it's 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 a neat. I, I, I suppose it's that way over most of the country, especially in towns like Nashville or yeah. Austin or whatever. Um, it can also be the, the new car thing, too. So, you know, the minute you get a new model car, you you instantly notice everybody else who's got one of those. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, look at all the people that think like me. Aren't, aren't we great? Uh, so, you know, I, I, I doubt that it is totally unique to Ohio. Um, it's just a, it's just something that just seems to be happening. So I'm, I'm running with it and I love supporting anything that's local for wherever you're at. You happen to be local right now. So yeah, tell us about how you got started uh, in guitar itself and then we'll progress to where you are now. Okay. Well, then we have to set the Wayback Machine. For yeah. <laughs> Back when I was a little child. So you're watching Ed Sullivan live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Actually, <laughs> that's that's not too far off, although I was probably too young to remember. But, but yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that now that you mentioned that, uh, the Beatles have always been, you know, probably have had the largest impact, uh, John Lennon in particular, mm-hmm. uh, on what I play, what I like, you know, is in terms of music. It's interesting whenever somebody is, it qualifies like, well, first Beatles, and then immediately they say, who, which, which Ooh, one? And, and, yeah. and that is unique to the Beatles, that I think. Is. You know, you say, well, that's I love, true. I love Keith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, that's a given. You're, gonna, you're always going to go with that. But yeah, yeah it's, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, people say, well, I'm a McCartney man, or, you yeah. know, I like, I like George. He was the quiet one. <laughs> Ringo was a blast. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I guess. Uh, I don't know why I felt the need to clarify that, but no, it, that's it, totally cool. I, I I think it's great when people do that because it that actually tells a lot about who you are. It's it's yeah. something that's kind of general, but it, it, it says that says a lot. Yeah. Well, anyhow, so uh, uh, going back to then, my my sister had had taken piano and organ lessons, and I said that's not for me. <laughs> so my mom and dad bought her. And it was a horrible guitar, as I remember now, as a Sears, probably silver tone acoustic guitar with action five inches off the fretboard. (laughs) Um, Insta blisters. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she gave up playing guitar pretty quickly. And it was in the in the era of folk music and Joni Mitchell and everything. So she wanted to be the next Joni Mitchell, I think. But. Eventually, she gave up on the guitar. So there was a guitar laying around the house. And I said, well, I can mess around with that a little bit. And slowly but surely, uh, I mean, um, my uncle had given me a a 
a songbook, a Beatles songbook. There you go. It goes back to the Beatles and a couple of other things that, that he had bought. And, uh, and I just started, you know, plucking away, learning, you know, CFG, CFG, right. EAD, occasional E minor. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I just kept up with it. I mean, ever since I was a kid, that's, I've always played guitar and eventually got tired of hurting my fingers. And I think the first guitar I got was an Epiphone, probably. Now, what era Epiphone, though? Like what? It was a Japanese Epiphone, probably okay. from the early 70s. Okay. So, um, so it, was, it was actually a pretty good instrument. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know the history when Epiphone, when, when Gibson bought Epiphone and then... You know, how did the quality of Epiphone... I'm sorry, I'm veering off here. No, but it just okay. it's in my head and I had to ask. I well, thought maybe you'd know. Yeah, uh, Gibson bought Epiphone. And that was probably, I want to say mid-60s. Mm-hmm. Maybe 65, 60. I, I, I don't know exactly the date. And for a period of time, um, they made a number of things. It might No, actually it was earlier than that. It was early 60s. Mm-hmm. And um, for a period of time... Uh, Epiphones were made right alongside Gibsons up in Kalamazoo. Right. Um, in fact, you, you know, you had some, you know, um, I forget the the model was uh, cornets or things, something like that. Yeah. Which basically, yeah, the familiar. essentially an Epiphone version of a Les Paul Junior and, mm-hmm. and a couple of others. Um, and I think by the time the end of the '60s came along, they either sold off to Norlin or. Uh, or Norland may have bought Gibson and Epiphone, and they decided that the Epiphone line should be made overseas in Japan. And there were, you know, I, I've had a, over the years owned a number of them from that era, and uh, they're they they're just they're very good instruments. So it was a big step up from the Sears. Oh, it was a major step up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, hey, I got some trivia. Trivia? Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay, so Epiphone, you know, the guy right. who, who made it. I'm gonna, I hope I'm not butchering these things. Anastasios Statho, Stathopoulos. Yes. He's, he was the, the founder. The, uh, uh, I wonder if he was Greek. I knew that guy. He is Greek. <laughs> um, and, uh, he, and, and this is cool. So the name Epiphone is a combination of... Eponymodonus, ep, Eponymodonus, ep, uh, That's easy for you to say. Eponymodonus, <laughs> Stathopoulos. That was a son? No, that is, the, that is uh, the two proper words for phone and voice. Oh. So the, the short version of Eponymodonus is epi, and then Stathopoulos is a phone uh, from the from the Greek version voice. Oh, so right. epif- epiphone or uh, voice phone, voice something phone. like that. Something yeah. like you know, a little Wikipedia for you there. Yeah. Everybody nice. who's listening. If what? Apple was was doing it, it would be the iVoice phone. Yes, there you go. The that I is interesting. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. All right. So 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 uh, let's his, let's his fast forward. Yeah. Yes, so yes. Uh, so play 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 play. Um, uh, I started playing. Uh, originally from Youngstown, uh, northeastern Ohio, oh. and um, uh, was uh, was in college and and uh, hung out with other guys that were 
interested in playing. And so we, uh, we had a so-called, you know, punk bar that, uh, we all went to and played at. And, uh, um, it was, uh, it was, it was a fun time. Uh, I mean, that, that is in terms of music, that's, that's really where I cut my teeth. Where's the seventies? No, this is uh, early, early 80s. 80s. Early 80s. Ramones and... Uh, yeah, Ramones were in the, you know... Late 70s. 76, 77. Yeah. Okay. Wow, well, all the way. Yeah, they, they continued to play. In fact, a funny story about the Ramones, and thus I digress. There was a one night, uh, we were all Ramones fans, and uh, they played um, in Cleveland okay. on a Friday, in Youngstown on a Saturday, and in Pittsburgh... On Holy a Sunday. Moly. Wow. We went to all three shows. Oh, man. <laughs> and I swear I could not hear hear properly for at least a, two or three <laughs> That's weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, but yeah, it was just a constant. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Very loud band, very fun band. Um, so when you know you had a good time. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, so I, I got to see a lot of, 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 you know, the early new wave bands and, right. and punk bands, if you will. Um, all the way through that, um, I moved to Columbus back in 88, Ooh, a long time ago. And, uh, and I, I tried to stay connected to the music, you know, scene a little bit. And, and I, there were a number of people that I, that I, you know, got to know over the years. Um, and it was, um, it was difficult to find time to, to continue to play out and that sort of thing. So, I, I was looking for a way to stay connected to the to the uh, to the music community, and that's what I really like about what I do with Pick Guardian um, is I get to talk to fellow musicians and yeah. manufacturers and, and things on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, but um, how I actually started is uh, I'm one of those people that likes to customize things, whether it's changing out pickups or a little different look or what have you. And um, I, I had a number of guitars that I wanted to customize. So, I mean, I did what everyone did at the time is you, you know, contacted one of two or three companies that, uh, that made, I would call them generic pick guards and of course you'd get them and you had a 50 50 chance they might fit they might not you'd have to drill right. new holes yeah and my whole thing was you know well this is kind of silly why wouldn't you get something that you don't have to drill into and especially if you're talking a vintage instrument or a new instrument mm-hmm. you know you don't want to go in and, and do that um so i i started with uh actually the first guard set that i made was for one of my rickenbackers um, that was out of necessity because Rick guards are notorious for cracking and the material is relatively easy to find. It's, you know, just standard acrylic or plexiglass, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, so I just figured out a way to, you know, duplicate them. Uh-huh. And, you know, it, it was, yeah, it, it, it's certainly not rocket science, but it's, you know, you, there is a learning curve. <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you that, right. especially when it comes to drill drill bits and plexiglass. <laughs> sure, that all costs money. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. But so I started with that, and then um, I had a number of other people that said, well, hey, well, we'd like to, you know, can you, can you duplicate this? I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. And sure enough, I mean, the same basic procedure worked for, for everything like that. Um, and that's when I, we talked earlier a little bit about, uh, I was experimenting with the internet at the time and set up a website 
and primarily listed, uh, I think, what did, what did I have on there? Guitars that I was interested in, the uh, Rickenbacker stuff, uh, the Armands, and Reverend guitars. Three things that I've really, you know, I've all enjoyed all of most of the models that they've put out. Reverend's getting, you know, some, they're getting some attention here. I mean, last week we talked about Reverend. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so set up a this website. This is podcast. Yes. So we'll- <laughs> when was this, by the way? When did you, uh, like what year? Because, you know, the internet's was, only been around for 20 years. Yeah, right? it was about 12 years ago. 12 yeah. years. So okay. it, was, it was early on in the, in the infancy of the internets. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I set that up and, 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 and I was just shocked initially that, you know, people would, you know, contact me send me pick guards to duplicate, send me money yeah. to do the work. And, you know, they don't know me from anyone. Including um, sparkly stuff, right? Including uh, the sparkly stuff is just for you. Yeah. I got yeah, your special I stock. <laughs> but, um, but I've, I've, you know, expanded the line, started doing more different things. Uh, um, I, I, I think I have a really good working relationship with most of the major companies. I get referrals from people, you know, that, that I can't believe, you know, some of the, the biggest companies out there. Um, and I, I don't think I can, you know, ask for anything better than that. I mean, that's, sure. you know, when you get, so when you're getting calls from them, they're not saying, Hey, we need you to do 2000 guards. Well, I did do that one time. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> in working, I, I do, a, the, I work with the, uh, Gibson repair shop quite a bit. I do a lot of arch top guards and, right. and some other projects for them. Um, but I had gone down and uh, uh, down to Nashville, and I said, "Hey, can, you know, can we do a quick tour?" And I got to meet uh, a, a number of people there. But one of them was their uh, their, uh, I guess, research and development R and D department. Yeah. And at the time, they were doing guitars of the week. Okay. Hmm. And so they're they actually one year released. They had planned to do 52 guitars that year. Holy mackerel. And those were runs of like... Like one-offs or... No, they were runs of... um, I want to say they were, um, at that time, 100. Wow. Maybe Hmm. 100 or 200. Um, That's a pretty cool marketing concept, actually. um, I don't know how successful it was, but there were some very cool... And there were some weird things well, there yeah. too. I mean, at some point you're going to start know the collectors at the bottom are. of the barrel. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the one that comes to mind is the reverse flying V. I was v. just going to say that. <laughs> well, the collectors, they <laughs> fall over each other yeah. trying to get these things. Yeah. But, um, so what they did is I, I, I had an idea for, you know, I called it an LP 295. So it's kind of a cross between a Les Paul and an ES 295. Yeah. Um, those are cool. Yeah. So, uh, we just talked about it a little bit and, you know, uh, their R and D guy said, Hey, why don't you put a couple samples together? Oh, wild. I, basically. So it's the, it's the floral print on a, you know, like an ES 295 guard. Yep. And, uh, they, uh, I, I sent some samples down, gave them the, you know, the concept for the guitar, which is basically a gold top. Um, they changed a few things. I, I wanted it That's more the like Chet that. Atkins model, right? Well, the ES-295 is, or, or, it's I like mean, an ES-175. Okay. It's a fat body, yeah. uh, single cut. And Chet Atkins is gold top with a floral guard, I believe, I don't with know a cutaway. The, it's got a, a sharp horn cutaway. I don't think that it had a floral guard. Okay. You talk about the Gibson Chet Atkins? Yeah. I know. I got to look that up. Look it up. I could be speaking out of my... 
<laughs> Trivia. <Pie hole. laughs> yeah, insert expletive. Because they, they did two different models of Chet Atkins. They did one that had a bound tortoise guard. And then they did another one that had um, an armrest. Yep. And uh, uh, yeah. And yep. kind of like a Trini Lopez what guard, except it was silver. Them? You're maybe thinking of a Mary Ford. Okay. They and they did a a, a limited limited. Okay. Uh, talking about. A dozen I must have guitars. saw him playing that one time. I, I don't know how I'm associating him with. Well, that, interestingly, the the, the the I forget the guitar player's name from Mastodon. Yeah. Actually, plays one of those. <laughs> The LP 295s. Now, he called it a Mary Ford okay. Les Paul, but it's not really. Um, yeah, but, but he's a mess. But it's okay. So anyhow, so I made yes. some samples. And the next thing I know, I get a purchase order for 1,100 pick guards from oh. Gibson. It's like, now this is before I had my shop set up. So I was doing this out of my house. Uh-oh. And um, I think my wife was about ready to divorce me by the time that project Ended up, so I had essentially three or four weeks to produce eleven hundred. So, so you had machines going on all day, and they were well. And this is when I was still working a full time job. Oh, so uh, I had every one of my friends ES two ninety five. Yes, that was what we're talking about. Yeah, except mine is an LP two ninety five. Okay, look up. Uh, this is the. It's got a trapezo- trapeze. Yes. Now that's what that's what I wanted to do. Okay, because um, it has a floral guard on it. Yeah, but if you look up there, see in the upper okay, your if you're right driving, hand corner, look up to your <laughs> upper right corner. The upper right hand corner is Don't an, an LP. Yeah, okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So it's it's basically a less hollow version. Yeah. Uh, of the ES two smaller smaller body. Yep. Semi hollow. Are you no. fully hollow? No. Not solid hollow? body. That one's. That one's. That one's, uh, it's got F-holes in it. Yeah. In your upper right-hand corner? Yeah. Turn that yeah. around again here. I'm thinking maybe we need to get some, Tony some eyeglass cleaner right now. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not, <laughs> that is not an LP-295. Yeah, this is, this that is one the has, one that I was yeah. talking about right there, or down here. Yeah. Well, I was talking about the I'll one. I'll edit in- this part out. Pass the ball. Now, he yeah. says that, but. but do, the, um, <laughs> do a search for Gibson LP-295. And that is uh, what. That's the one that you made? That's the, the, the concept that I sent to Gibson. And what resulted in me having to make a bunch of eleven hundred of them. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So so, so you, it's so the difference is that's a solid body. It's the solid body version of the ES two ninety five. Two ninety five. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Clicked. Everything's on. <laughs> now what they did, uh, I wanted P nineties on mine. I'm a P ninety fan, and I wanted a trapeze uh, tailpiece. Right. Well. That's got a Bigsby on it. That got nixed. They said, well, we wanted to do a Bigsby, so we're using a Bigsby. (laughs) And uh, our humbucker equipped models outsell P90 uh, models uh, four or five to one or something, some ridiculous number. Right. So I I was just happy that they actually made the guitar. I have one of them that was uh, part of the deal. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah, now those were guitars of the week. They've... They were a little less ambitious that year, so they only did twelve or thirteen of them. My favorite part about that is the uh, the uh, slanted traps. 
trip. Uh, yes. What would you call that? Polygons, are, slanted polygons. Right? Yeah, they're they're what you would find. Well, essentially, what the the inlays on a two ni- ES two ninety five. Yeah, yeah, they're the split. These, they're split traps. Yeah, split traps. We'll go with that. Anyways, those are cool. Those are on a, a couple other uh, models that they did. Is yes, uh, three ninety four. I think. Now I got to look that up. You too. got me. <laughs> um, anyways, continue. Sorry. Digression. <laughs> so you had all these pick guards to do. Yes. And you, I'm still trying to get a confirmation from you if you had machines going at all times after you come home from your normal job. Yeah. You did, I mean, I, I would noisy say. And she was like, oh, turn those machines off. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't let that go. I have to. <laughs> it's, okay. It has go to be ahead. established. Go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would I would come home. Yeah. After, you know, after five o'clock or whatever, and cut a bunch of guards. Um, I'd have friends come over. Uh, we'd do the decaling. I'd take them out back and spray them. Oh, man. Uh, so Because these were clear with yeah. the decal applied and shot with lacquer on the back. And then we had an assembly Such line. A cool look. Um, basically, sanding and polishing. And it was, you know, I, I had probably... I don't know, uh, five or six of my uh, very good friends come over and, you know, they, they, thank God they helped out because the job wouldn't have gotten done. So did that particular situation maybe catapult you to, you know, get, move out of the house? Yes. Get a big, (laughs) yeah, okay. I could see that. That was, uh, yeah, that was pretty much the uh, watershed moment. I love your shop, by the way. And you're an appointment only. It's not a, a public walk-in. Yeah, it's not. But it's, if somebody wants to come down, if they're local, um, just you know, they can contact me by email. It is a fun circus when you go into that place. <laughs> it's there's plastic everywhere. Yes, it's. Uh, I, I go in there, and I've been in the five or six, seven times, and I'm I still go in this in this shop. Breathe and look everywhere because there's plastic everywhere. And there's always some sort of material. I'm like, uh, no, nah, I can make a pick guard for this guitar. And there's the sparkle over there. <laughs> and you've got all these different colored sparkles. And it's mesmerizing. I love your shop, man. Oh, thanks. Thank you yeah. very much. I mean, it's machinery everywhere. Yeah, it's a mess. You know, nine times out of ten. And it no, I never said that. Well, I, I do. I, <laughs> I, I, I will confirm that. It's that fun, is, man. But, you know, the, the crazy thing is I, I, I try to clean it up at least, you know, once a year. every week or two, once a year, if, even whether it needs it or not. But 15 minutes later, it looks exactly the same. Right, right. So, but, uh, but I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. And, and it's gotten to a point now where I, uh, I was doing it on a part-time basis for, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. And um, it got to a point where I decided that I couldn't do both. Because orders were coming in, I was, you know, burning a candle at both ends. Yeah. So I left my uh, my job of 25 years and um, decided to do this full time. Cool. And here we sit. That is. See, that's a cool story. That's the cool story, man. Like, I, you know, it's it. I mean, you were a grave digger, and now you're a <laughs> pig guard guy. I mean, that's, that's what'd you awesome. do? Uh, I was uh, with a local dry cleaning company for 25 years. Uh, I was vice president. Yeah, this, this is a better choice. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's you know, I, I actually learned a lot. I honed my marketing skills uh, over the years there. Uh, 
You were vice president over there? Ah, yes. Vice President Jetson. (laughs) (laughs) That might be too young for you. you No, I remember the Jetsons. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. You, one of the unique things about what you do is you do custom, obviously, and custom usually means a lot of weird requests. Yeah, sometimes. So... I would like to know maybe a couple stories about some of the stranger things that have come your way <laughs> and or the more difficult things. I know when I was in the shop, you showed me the difference between, you know, what was like a $50 pick guard and what was like a $500 pick guard. Oh, there are no such thing as $500. $400 pick guard. No, you're so you, $300 pick guard. Well, yeah, 2 to $300. <laughs> That's a lot of money, man. It's a lot, it, it's a lot of money, but those would be the bound like arch top guards. One, one type well, they would they would go on a you know a ten or fifteen thousand dollar instrument. Sure. So yeah, it's a it's it's DR kind of I'm not. Uh, yeah. I ho- I, so to be clear, he's very fair on price, but that was a special thing, right? You know? And I and I do a lot of bound guards, um, and they are time consuming. And the, and the one that you showed me was actually like a like a quintuple bound. Guard or something. Five ply. Yeah, yeah, it had five ply binding on it. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're difficult. And, and 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 you can get all the way to the end and still have a mistake and you get to start over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the material is expensive and, and, and the the labor hours are, are really, I've got uh, five or six going right now at the shop that are just, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's fun to uh, to do those things because it's a departure from what I what I normally would do, uh, which is working with multiply plastics and that sort of thing. This is working with real celluloid and putting binding like that you'd find on the edge of of guitars. And these are usually for arch tops or jazz boxes mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So uh, so they 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 go on pretty high end uh, uh, guitars. Yeah. So but can the, you? Uh- can you tell us some of the dangers? Well, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you get into the dangers, the danger zone. <laughs> oh, yeah, cautionary right. tape. Um, th- so interesting. You were about to tell us some interesting stories, and then I derailed you with oh, like, the yes. most. And then I almost went on <laughs> to something else there. <laughs> so interesting, inter- interesting requests. Um, well, the the one request that I get a lot, and. Um, well, there's there's a couple of things. I'll go through the mud list. flap girls engraved. That would be cool. <laughs> you haven't and, and that? I, I haven't gotten that. Oh, believe it or not, me. that was the first thing I thought of. Wow, <laughs> that could be part of the end. That would be really cool, actually. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so um, mm. uh, common requests, uh, one of which is totally false. Um, the the one thing that that people request. It just happened this week, which is why it came to mind, is uh, someone was looking for white Bakelite, claiming oh. that Fender used white Bakelite on their white guards. Now, are you which saying white, like uh, like a limp, like a special white, or just white in general? White phenolic material, okay. ba- uh, also known as Bakelite. So right. 50s fen- uh, tele guards, for instance. It's like the first plastic that was ever yeah. Right, exactly. Produced. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, Fender indeed did use black Bakelite on their black guards in the 50s. Um, when they switched to um, to the white guards, everyone thinks that they used white Bakelite, which mm-hmm. is not the case. They used 
probably something that was closer to what that stuff's water, pretty brittle. Po- it? it was polystyrene, right? Mm. Uh, but standard PVC plastic, polyvor- polyvinyl chloride is is as close as you can find to to polystyrene, right? Um, so that's one common request that you know I, I get a chuckle every time they say, "Well, I want I want." Now, stuff. do you think that they're looking for the the actual material from a from a keeping it original standpoint or for the aesthetic because the big light does have um i don't want to say abnormalities but um uh it, it isn't always uniform in its aesthetic it's really it soft can, too can be oh no no it's it's actually very brittle yeah what it's yeah, it's, it's basically <laughs> what what's what's called bakelite now i don't know anything is a phenolic material which means that it's little bits and pieces of cloth, I yeah. guess, that are embedded in in a in a resin. Well, right. I said that because um, I believe the You're thinking of Play-Doh. <laughs> I think he might be right. <laughs> no, the the Stratocaster covers are you thinking of too, Spaghettios, right? <laughs> right. No, the the covers are also made big, like the ones that wore out, like. Now that you know, yeah. five or six strums, and, and that's where I get the soft idea at because yeah, that, that I, stuff wears out, wore out quick. I think it, it, it in the case of, of like pickup covers, and they did mm-hmm. make knobs out of out of white bakelite. It, it wore it, out really it, fast, it, and they did, and they cracked, and yeah, it's you know, it's it's kind of the nature of the beast. But um, the modern bakelite that 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 I use, um, I find it it's it's pretty rigid. It chews up my uh, router bits terribly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I I, I just can't get over how badly it does that. Mm-hmm. For f- just for the, the listeners, just to kind of get a handle on like, if you are not familiar with Bakelite, uh, if you think of an old thirties, forties, fifties radio or television set or any or a car, uh, all most of the knobs. On those were all made of of bakelite, mm-hmm. even jewelry, jewelry, twenties and thirties, uh, bangles, wow. all those kind of things. But um, for the dudes listening who weren't, who aren't wearing uh, antique bangles, <laughs> <laughs> um, anything in in a typically a pre fifties, pre mid fifties car is going to have bakelite. Yeah. Parts on it, that's, uh, that's true, and uh, and or an old radio thing. They took and, over the industry, when, you know, with plastics and stuff, and yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, after the, the graduate, days. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> plastics. Yep. I was thinking about that Got too. One word for you, plastics. okay, plastics. Okay, carry on. Okay, uh, other unusual request. I had uh, a person request they wanted to do from neck to bridge, uh, strat single coil pickups right next to each other. What? Like, I don't make this like stuff up. Eight of them? Uh, I forget. It was either six or seven, maybe eight. I, I've I've seen a couple things on the internet like that that I thought were like photoshopped. photoshopped yeah. yeah. Um. I, no. I, I. I don't think I actually did that. I don't. I don't think I got that job because <laughs> I probably sent back some ridiculous number. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, well. I think Nigel from uh, from Spinal Tap had had something right. similar to yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so those are the kind. Of, I mean, it, and it most of the people that I work with, I think, have a pretty good grasp on what is doable, right? What is realistic, and um, there there <laughs> there is this fringe out there that that comes up with some some really wild ideas, but. 
Um, I, I try to entertain them. How about how about like material wise? Does anybody come to aside from Bakelite? Does anybody come to you with like, uh, like hardwoods or, or glass or any like? You know, I I I I have done some work with wood, and it is a different animal. Yeah. Um, and so I try not to do that. There's a couple of companies that use a kind of a laminated material. Yeah. So it's plastic on the bottom with wood on the top layer. And they do a really good job. So I usually refer them on to there. Yeah. Um, another common request is gold anodized. Yeah. Um, and there's a company that I refer because cutting metal is completely, it requires yeah. different machinery and, yeah. uh, than, than cutting plastic. Yeah. So there's a couple of uh, there's at least one maybe two companies that take still the do the Damascus model for the the boon of the anodized pickguards. You know, I, I I have no problem with I think anodized aluminum guards yeah, are, cool. are well they look good and they're like the durable shield. Yeah. yeah. Um it's a nice way to do black on black too mm-hmm. so that it doesn't just kind of look a little flattish. Yeah. Yeah, cuz there is a little bit of a grain to it. Yeah. And and you know, uh there are hundreds of, of different colors that you can actually anodize with. Um, but, uh, it's just one of those things that, uh, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's very specialized. Yeah. Well, the one that you did for me, like I, I, I was considering whether or not I should do a plexiguard or a gold anodized, uh, on that one. Um, but I wanted to kind of keep it a little older school. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what we did with yours was certainly more along the lines of a, of a Gretsch guard or, or a, even an early Rickenbacker guard. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it works really well. Awesome. Um, so how about, do you see, like where, do, maybe where do you see what you're doing going? Um, that may be an open, uh, too broad of a question, but do you, do you feel like people are starting to push the limits uh on on the custom pick guard uh or or is it or are people saying like i i want to keep to the to the old school with a little bit of flavor mm-hmm. well I, I think what what i see i mean there's there's a couple of different uh types of customers there's there's a customer that likes very traditional things right and maybe they're trying to replace either a damaged or missing part uh, old Gibsons and old, you know, the, they, they want to do a nice five-ply material and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, there's another group of people that want to try something different or they're looking, you know, going for a different look or maybe they're changing out pickups. Um, um, and then there, I, I think there's another group that uh, had a certain guitar when they were growing up and they're trying to replicate right, right. what they had as, as a youth. So it's, it, it is interesting. And, you know, it's, I find myself and, and I find what I do going in all those directions. Yeah. Uh, specifically, I mean, we're getting to an age now of a lot of the old, you know, even late 50s, early 60s models uh, where the plastic, which was celluloid at the time, uh, is, is disintegrating. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so they're looking for ways to preserve the look. Uh, and functionality of the instrument. That's why I do a lot of archtop guards because those, uh, you know, th- uh, what I found is the thicker the celluloid, the more likely it is going to start to gas off and disintegrate. Mm. And I mean, I've I've had people send me literally a bag of of celluloid dust by the yeah. time it gets to me. Yeah, I have a um, I've had a couple of early '60s SGs, and those 
pick guards are really expensive mm-hmm. uh, to replace original. And the reason is because I, I believe they are cell- celluloid. Yeah, right. Well, they, they would, and be. they they bow and they they distort, they mm-hmm. uh, they shrink, they shrink, and then you know me, I I didn't really know much about plastic. I tried to heat it up, <laughs> and it just dude, I, you, I, you, you, did, you almost you could have set your whole house on fire. I know, and it, <laughs> it, the smell went into my brain, and it stayed there for days, maybe and, years. <laughs> right, I think I'm affected by it. Yeah. No, but uh, no, no, seriously yeah. though, it's. Uh, it's really, you know, well, that, I, I, let me, let me kind of segue into, into something with that. Cause you're, you're talking about the dangers, right? Well, kind of. Okay. Cause that's what some of you were brought up. There's Can a couple of different, a couple different of like, so you want to do a pick guard, maybe do's and don'ts. For someone to do at home, for someone to either a okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna oh, try to mess to with your own yeah. guard and what not dogs. to put in a laser, yes, <laughs> yeah, because everybody's getting these lasers now. Yeah, yeah. One a big, 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 big word of caution uh, with words of caution. Uh, if you are using a laser cutter, do not use PVC based plastic in it. One, it doesn't cut very well. Uh, two, it emits a chlorine gas, which if you breathe enough of it, it will kill you. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you have to, with lasers, that's a big, big warning. So acrylic materials like plexiglass, um, and I even stock some acrylic multiply materials, um, they're safe to use, but uh, anything that's PVC based, you definitely don't want to put in a laser. Interesting. Um, Celluloid material, I mean, right now, about the only celluloid that's readily available is uh, like multiply tortoise material. Right. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I do it myself. I still, if I'm, if I'm drilling through it with a, a slightly dull bit or if I'm cutting it uh, and, and the router bit lifts a little bit and doesn't cut all the way through, it will, it will smoke up. Really? Yeah. So it's that that's always kind of a challenge and, and especially if it's very fresh material. Yeah. It tends to have a lot more of the the menthol which I guess is the solvent that they use for celluloid. And it just <laughs> and it's it's nasty stuff. So why would anybody choose to use celluloid? I I am assuming it's for like a super vintage that they want to keep correct. No, I, I think well in terms of tortoise, yeah. I don't think anything else looks like real celluloid. Okay. Uh tortoise. Well, now there's so we're talking about tortoise. There's kind of like two kinds of tortoise, right? There's the there's there, a, the translucent sort of yellowy and blacky with a little bit of brown tortoise, and then there's the opaque. Well, yeah. Let's go back. Um, the what I call we'll call it multi ply tortoise. Okay, stuff that fender. Right, uses. think jaguar. So think anything. Maybe. So there's there's essentially well, there's there's probably dozens of varieties, but the two that I, that come to mind are what Fender used in the '60s, uh, and the modern equivalent today is is a tortoise mint black mint. Yeah, and then there's what they use now, uh, which is a little more brownish yep. with yellow specks, and that's tortoise parchment black parchment. Um, I stock both of those because I get. Probably a yeah. It's, I still probably do more fit, uh, '60s guards mm-hmm. than modern stuff, but um, but either way. Um, 
So I think what people are trying to do, especially with the 60s material, and if it's for a vintage piece, or even if it's you know for a newer piece that they want to have more of a vintage look, is um, they want to use real celluloid material. Yeah. Um, the other option in terms of tortoise is some, some particularly nasty looking stuff, which is essentially screen printed. Mm-hmm. And it, in my opinion, and most other people's opinion, just, you know. It doesn't maybe, look right. Well, from 50 feet away, maybe. But when you're up it's, on it. It's too close together. I, I don't, that's a lack for. Well, it's pixelated. Now, yeah. Which, it looks which, awful. The, um, that would be termed a Dalmatian tortoise. Okay. And there is I just still- showed Tony a photo of uh, the, the, the sort of amber, almost like a translucent amber with, with uh, real dark, uh, fluidy spotting on it. Right. And that's, that's typically used on, well, it certainly was used you know, on, on early models like in the 30s and 40s right. on acoustic guitars. Um, uh, some of those materials are still available. I have, for instance, um, some fire stripe tortoise hmm. um, that is actual cellular. That just picked a, a couple of people's ears up. They're <laughs> like, I want some fire stripe tortoise. Fire. <laughs> so uh, a lot of those materials, because they're not laminated, work better on uh, acoustic instruments because right. it's very thin material. So even when you're looking at, um, even when you're looking at, um, you know, uh, the multiply tortoise, it's, it's made up of thin layers that have been laminated together. Um, people always ask, well, if I get, you know, this, there, there are a couple of, uh, I guess they're epoxy based, uh, products. One is called tortoise, T-O-R-T-I-S. And, uh, there's another, another brand name out there and it, it looks okay. Uh, I think it's a reasonable substitute for, Mm. for the real deal. Um, but in some cases you just can't, you know, I, I use, if I'm doing other acoustic guards, either I, you know, I have the fire stripe. I think I have some of the Dalmatian tortoise that, uh, you'd pointed out. And then I also use what is essentially like a fender medium pick material. And, and that is, you know, for, for an acoustic guitar, I think it's real important to, to keep that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, all of those materials are also available in thicker, which I use for the arch top guard. So right. it's like an eighth of an inch thick. So let's talk about perloid for a second. And okay. what I've always, a, a funny story, and, and correct me if I'm off, but in the in 68 and 69, if you get a 68, you know exactly what I'm referring to. Uh, if you get a Fender Stratocaster or Telecaster, and I'm not sure about any other models, with a, a white pickguard from those two years, if you take that pickguard off and flip it around, it'll have perloid on the bottom. It's perloid, man. It's a reverse perloid guard, and that is true. Um, I don't, I don't know the the the, the quantity that that actually yeah. happened in, but well, they I'm ran sure, out or something. They ran no, out. No, they, they were using up all the perloid. They they in, in the late sixties, Fender brought in a lot of perloids for uh, like tele thin lines. Okay. Uh, even into the 70s. Yeah. And I think they either got a great deal on stuff. They mm-hmm. certainly got a great deal on screws because Leo yeah. loved to put screws. I well, take yeah. a, a Mustang guard. Like the thing. one meg peg. You're the one meg uh, pots. Oh, yes. Those two. Yes. The painful pots. 
but uh, but I think they <laughs> they either were using up old material or whatever. But yeah, there's I've I've seen them. I've had people send me those guards, and now they're rare, and people pay big money for them. People want that look, and it can be done. Yeah. Um, I had a source that uh, was was able to do. Uh, basically masking on both sides. So you had a gloss on the bottom as well as a gloss on the top. Yeah. I was, I was getting some from Singapore. Mm-hmm. They were doing them right. Yeah. Finally. It took a while, but, but uh, I was ordering those and then doing a 69 set of pickups. Singapore is an American man in Wisconsin. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but I always thought that Sing was uh, a poor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So uh, anyway, yeah, I was ca- trying to capitalize on that little, you know, fun fact. Well, and I did for a while and then it fizzled away. Well, you know, and it, it, it's interesting because um, I think a lot of people spend a, a lot of time, whether listening to podcasts or going on forums and what have you. And, you know, they think that that's the magic of, right. of, of certain things. And, um, you know, I, I think if you can try to replicate things as close as possible, personally, I don't think you're going to get much tonal difference between having a flipped perloid no. pickguard on a guitar, but the player knows it's there. You know, the play, yeah, right. The player wants to look right under the hood, you know, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Well, it, it goes yeah. back to the, to the it, hot rod industry. Right. It, you know, they, they used up the material to be, you know, productive and, and not to be wasteful. Mm-hmm. And it turned into a, you know, something to, to cool well, that, about. They're also you know? using that on, on the fretboards too, right? Um, that was probably the thicker material. Okay. They did use perloid back then. In some cases, they, they may have used pearl, but I, I, I'm not 100%. No, I didn't know that. Hmm. But it's essentially the same material, just thicker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so interesting. Well, Gibson did the same thing. You'll find there's an era. I want to say it's in the early '70s. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe mid '70s that they got five ply material, which yeah. normally Gibson has a thicker white ply second from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of guards that actually have that thicker ply on the t- uh, as it's oh, on the second layer down from the top. So you'll see them that way. That Are these they, now? You're talking mostly on like the the semi hollows or the no this the hollow bodies the, like on SGs on okay. you know anything that they use the the five ply material on. Um, interestingly, I've I, I've got a batch from my plastic manufacturer that they screwed up the same way. Oh wow! So they were you know I I keep some on hand in case somebody ever says well, I need the one that has the thick stripe on the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the uh, or the second layer keeping down. it correct yeah so mm-hmm. cool man well super interesting stuff um I appreciate you sharing all of the uh, stories I think that's a little known part about our guitar world that you know almost all of us have one uh, it's like a belly button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Inner and outer, it's Jared, still there. Jared has two of those. Um, you have to. So let's do our let's. We're gonna segue right into our who would you rather? And speaking about uh, perloids and crazy finishes and and all kinds of customy bits. Uh, Jared, you want to give us our would you rather? Okay, this week's for would you rather. For a fretboard inlay, lightning bolts 
Or would you rather have skull crossbones, which is pretty cool? Or last but certainly not least, would you rather have mudflap girls? And, there, and the, you know, in all of our minds, we say, is there an, is there an option none? But, <laughs> <laughs> but for sake of uh, fun and whimsy. You have to pick one. You got to pick one. Yeah. Okay, Jared. Oh, here we go. Just, just say it. You know, you're going to, you got it. I got to do it. It's, it's right now. It's in between lightning bolt and mud flap girls, but it's, I, I got to do a mud flap girl. I, right. I, I'm going to do it. I'm doing mud flap girls. Okay. I mean, that was going to be my choice. Um, you can still you can choose still it. Take it. Oh, okay. I thought we had to each pick one. No. And then go make them. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going Mudflap Girls. Call Tony, the big guardian, for your custom-made Mudflap Girl inlays. Yes. I, I bet I, if, if that order comes in, I want to know. I want it. I will. I want a picture. My wheels are turning, man. I think I might Duly noted. do this. Uh, okay. You're going Mudflap Girls? I'm going Mudflap Girls. All right. I'm going Lightning Bolts with nice. a double Lightning Bolt. At the 12th. Nice. Uh, I like it. Giddy up. Don't they already make those? Well, the Ace Freely one kind of has them. But anyways. uh, That's why it's cool. Yeah. They look cool. I'm down with that. Skull and and Crossbones got left out, but. It it did. Those are really cool, too. Yeah. And I've seen some of those. There's there's at least maybe a. Yeah. And we're not talking about the stickers. I'm talking real pearl. like Permanent, man. Yeah. And you're. Brazilian rosewood. <laughs> yeah. Fretboard. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, okay, cool. That was fun. Yay. Um, mm-hmm. So, we're going to let you go now, Tony. And <laughs> anybody who's listening, we greatly appreciate you. I want to make sure that you understand that uh, from me, from the bottom of my heart. Please keep sending your comments and your emails and all of the things that you do to to feed our souls back. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a real special uh, request. I don't often ask anything of the listeners, but if you wouldn't mind uh, going on to iTunes and just giving us a rating, you know, hopefully it's a good one if you're still listening. <laughs> you got this far, <laughs> right? Um, I'd really appreciate that. We've got some some good ones on there, um, but I know it's not something that people go out of their way to do. But if you happen to, I wouldn't be upset about it, and I'd, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, so for the three of us here, the last thing you just need to do is subscribe! Yeah. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit us at our website at theguitarnobs.com for episodes, news, and guest profiles. You can get all social with us on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar knobs. Give us a tweet at guitar underscore knobs. And check out our gallery on Instagram at guitar knobs.